Shalom. This is Gary Dershinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. So I have a question for you before we dive in. Who are you following? Think about that. Who are you following? Whether we like it or not, we're all followers to some extent, right? The Bible even talks about us as sheep. What do sheep do? They follow, right? They follow the shepherd or they follow the sheep that's right in front of them. So that if one sheep goes off a cliff, the whole slew falls off the cliff, right? Hopefully we're not doing that kind of stuff, but I think we would all admit we are all followers. So I'm asking you, who are you following? Could be a coworker, somebody you respect, a family member, perhaps a great preacher or a messianic leader, but who are you following? Who captures your imagination? Who gives you something to fight for that's bigger than yourself? Could be anybody. It could be a family member. It could be somebody that you know well. Could be Hillary Clinton. Trump? Man, we'll leave that where it is. We'll leave that. You know, my name's Andrew Jackson, so I might, I might throw my ticket in and see how we can go. Go for the third term or something. I don't know. But who are you following? Who are you following? Who captures your imagination? As I said, following is a normal and a natural part of life. It's who we are. It's how God's created us. Even if you're a CEO of a company, you're following somebody, right? Somebody is influencing you. And that's okay. That's a good thing. That's how we're created. But it breaks down when the person that we're following, it becomes toxic and cancerous when the person that we're following deviates or shifts or goes in the opposite direction of how God has created us to be, of how God has designed us to function, ultimately, of how Yeshua has lived His life. And how many of us can attest to somebody that at one point in our life we trusted, we followed, we respected, and then they broke that trust. And they did something that we couldn't follow. I mean, this is the era of skepticism, right? My generation, the millennials, we are very skeptical because so many times we've seen a great leader or somebody that we respect and honor fall. And so it's difficult for us to want to place our trust in somebody. Or the other question, I'm getting a little bit more convicting right now, is how often do we like 
to follow somebody or to be influenced by somebody who we know full well does not live their life in a way that reflects Messiah. How often do we enjoy doing that? How often do we enjoy doing the things that bring us satisfaction and encouragement and make us feel good, but we know for a fact it's not what God's Word has for us to do. It's not what God's Word wants to influence us by. It's like we can't make up our mind. It's kind of like orange juice and a frappuccino. Who likes orange juice? Oh, yeah. Great, great. Who likes the frappuccino? Everybody. Caffeine, sugar, good stuff. It's like, like Jesus or Yeshua is orange juice, right? Vitamin C, it's healthy. It makes us feel good about ourselves. So we wake up one morning and we say to ourselves, you know what, this morning I'm going to spend a good amount of time in God's Word and I'm going to put every effort, every fiber of my being into making my life look like His today. So we take a big drink of Yeshua. We get some orange juice in us. And then that afternoon, we see something on our computer screen. We hear about some entertainer. We get entertained by a rock star or somebody, and we want to become like that person. But we know it's not according to God's Word. So this represents the world, right? Being influenced by the world. It's sugary. It's instant gratification. It's wonderful. So we open it up and we take a big swig of Frappuccino. Ah. And then the next day, we go back And the next morning, we feel guilty, right? We're like, oh, but today, today is the day I'm going to become like Yeshua. I'm going to make sure that I live like Him. So we take a big swig of Yeshua. Oh, that is gross. And then that afternoon, that very afternoon, we are influenced by our best friend to do something that we know is not honoring the God. So we take a big swig out of Frappuccino, you know what I'm saying? That is disgusting. Ugh. The two don't mix, right? You don't want to drink both at the same time. One's sugary, one's like citrusy. And, you know, your tongue is saying, you idiot, what are you doing? Why are you drinking these two things? But the same is true of our walk with Yeshua. Our soul within us is crying out, what are you doing? How can you at one moment say that I'm going to follow Yeshua, I'm going to be like Him, my life is going to conform to His, and then the next minute you're doing something that you know full well does not honor God, does not honor Yeshua. The two don't mix. The two don't mix. So my encouragement to us And I tell you what, I am preaching to myself just as much as I am preaching to you. We need to decide today to follow Yeshua so that we don't gross out our soul, right? Because it's going back and forth between these two things. We need to decide today, I will become like Yeshua. I will follow Him. And that's really the topic for this morning. We're talking about following Yeshua, a very simple concept for those of us who have been a believer for a long time. If you're not a believer, I'm really excited to share this with you. But if you are a believer, it might be something you've heard before, but are you doing it? Are you doing it? So that's the encouragement for this morning. What we just read is a passage from Timothy, 1 Timothy, 
This is a dear book, a dear letter to me, as I've been studying it basically since college. I really take interest in the person of Timothy. I think he was a wonderful man of the Lord who dedicated his life to him. The recipient of this letter, who is Timothy, was actually martyred. He was killed for his faith. Paul, I'm sure you know the Apostle Paul, right? Or Rabbi Shual. He discipled Timothy, and he basically went into the town of Ephesus way back when, and he created a congregation, and then he brought this 30-year-old, and he, t- he told him, go take it, go lead this congregation. And Timothy is experiencing, as you just read from this letter, outside influence, what's called false doctrine was seeping into the congregation. False doctrine simply means teachings that don't line up with Scripture. That was seeping into the congregation. Also, immorality was rampant in Ephesus. And it was seeping into the congregation. So Paul is writing a letter to Timothy on how to deal with that. Paul is encouraging Timothy on how to encourage himself to follow Yeshua, and how to encourage His congregation to follow Yeshua. And that's why we're here this morning, to a large part, to continue to encourage one another to follow Him. Okay, so you might be thinking to yourself, all right, I'm going to follow Yeshua. I want to follow Yeshua. What does that mean? What does it actually mean to follow Yeshua? A lot of us call ourselves Messianic believers, or even some of us Christians, But when we think about that, what does it actually mean? Does it mean that we mentally assent to a statement of faith? Does it mean that we are really into the Jewishness of things and that's good? What does it mean to actually follow Yeshua? And I'd like to... Oh, wow, that went really far. I'd like to point out a couple items, and I'll make this brief, um, and encourage us on how Paul instructs Timothy on how we actually do follow Yeshua. Look back in your Bibles at verse 6. Paul writes, First and foremost, be constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. What is the word of the faith? What does that mean? It just means the words that define, that constitute what we believe. And where do we find that? In the Bible, right? The Bible tells us who God is. The Bible tells us who Yeshua is. So this book that we hold in our hands is the Word of faith. And then it talks about sound doctrine. The teachings that Timothy has received since he was a wee lad. He was raised up in those teachings. The teachings of the Apostles. Where do we find the teachings of the apostles? In the Bible, right? So Paul is really saying you must be nourished by Yeshua's words and the teachings of His disciples, which is what? The Bible. So the first step in following Yeshua is to be nourished by His Word. Okay, Paul uses the word nourish. What does nourish mean? Immediately, I thought of food because I'm a guy. So I think of food. Give me food. I want to be nourished. But actually, what Paul is referring to is the raising up of a child. That's what the Greek term is that he's using. He's using the concept of taking a boy or a girl and raising them up as an independent, mature adult man or woman, right? 
That's the job of a parent. So that they can function well in society. That's our role as mom and dad. Makes me think of Levi. If you don't know Levi, he's my two-year-old son. He's about this tall. He's a really cool kid. He weighs like 35 pounds. That's too, too much information. But Levi is great. He's an awesome kid. You know, when, he's, when he was an infant, he just cried and you'd give him like milk and he'd be, he'd be good. Or he'd want sleep. And so it was a pretty simple thing. You know, I would just love him, cuddle him, give him food and sleep. And then he turned one and he was, I, I, I'm sure if you know him, he was, he was and is the most sweet child. You know, just always smiling, wants to give you a hug, just, just a darling of a child. And then he turned two. <laughs> and the testosterone is flowing, you know, it's just, it's just a different kid. Now he's got to hit everything, he's got to throw everything, he's got to spin everything. He's got to figure out if this rock will fly or if it will drop. You know, he's got to figure out if this object will stay together if I pound it with my fist. He's exploring. He's figuring it out. And it's the joy of Meredith and myself to raise him up to become a well-behaved, independent, mature adult male, right? Which is fun. It's a, it's a blast. And the same is true of God's Word. So you're not two-year-olds. I know that. But that's the analogy that Paul is making, is God's Word, this book that you hold in your hands, is designed to help you grow, to become a mature spiritual leader, a mature man or woman of God. Are you in it? Are you reading it? Are you meditating on it? Are you allowing the concepts that you find in this book to become your own? That is the first step of following Yeshua. How many times have you heard somebody preach, read your Bibles? Like all the time, right? This is why it's so important. Because it's how you know Yeshua. And that's my second point here. The man and the book. Currently, there is a lot of feelings and thoughts. I heard a a great preacher whom I respect, but I have to disagree with what he said here. He said, Saying the Bible says so is no longer good enough. That saying because the Bible says so is no longer good enough. We need to separate the man from the book so that we can get to know the man and not be drudged down by the book. But what I want to present to you today is you cannot do that. The two are one in the same. How do you know Yeshua? How do you know what He feels? How do you know what He thinks? How do you know what He holds precious? By reading this book. This book is what defines who He is. You cannot call yourself a follower of Yeshua and not be in the book. The two are one and the same. You can't divorce the Bible from the person of Yeshua. If you will, take a look at John 5.39. If not, it's Quite all right, no problem. I just want to read this verse for you. Yeshua says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is these that bear witness of me. So Yeshua is talking to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, and he's saying to them, You look to the actual letter, you look to the word for eternal life. 
But you're missing the whole point. The whole point of God's Word is to explain me, the person. The person of Yeshua. We cannot look to the actual letters and disassociate them from the Messiah. They are one and the same. The Brit Chadashah, the Tanakh, they testify of who Yeshua is. So you cannot follow Yeshua without knowing who He is, right? It's just simple logic. You can't follow somebody without knowing who He is. And God's Word defines it. The convicting part of this is it is much easier to formulate in your brain an idea or image or concept of who Yeshua is that fits your comforts, right? So much easier to follow somebody that you agree with. But as you read Scripture, you'll find that there are parts that are uncomfortable. There are parts of God's Word that are convicting. Actually, it says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. This book is called a sharp two-edged sword that pierces through the marrow, pierces through the heart, and drives at what's going on in your life. Drives at why are you broken? Drives at why is this relationship failing? Drives at why is my walk with the Lord not going anywhere? It hits It hits the soul. This book is convicting. And this book defines who Yeshua is. So are you following Him? Are you nourishing yourself? Are you being raised up by the words of the faith? By sound doctrine? Are you in it? The second point that Paul goes into with Timothy as he's encouraging and spurring on his congregation to follow Yeshua, is discipline. Who likes discipline? Oh yeah, Andrew, I love discipline. It's the best thing in the world. (coughs) You know, um, as a kid, I got disciplined all the time. I I was doing things to my brothers and sisters that I cannot mention here. (laughs) And, And my parents would always be disciplining me. None of us like discipline. None of us enjoy that. But read with me at the latter half of verse 7. Paul says, instead of consuming yourself with worldly fables, verse 7, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Get this, you cannot relegate your walk with Yeshua to your office or to your prayer closet or to that time spent in the morning reading Scripture. That is essential. I'm not trying to downplay that. But if you allow your walk and your follow of Yeshua to be compartmentalized, boxed into that 5, 10, 15 hour that you spend with Him in the Word in the morning, you're not following Him. You must make the bridge from text to life. The pages of this book must be written on your mind and on your heart so that you're living it out What's today? Saturday. Sunday through Friday. So that it's a constant part of your life. Read with me again in the book of James. We just did a series on James called Faith in Action. And that was basically our thesis, our big point of that book. Read with me. James writes, Prove yourselves doers of the Word and not mere hearers 
who delude themselves. Let me read that again. Prove yourself doers of the Word and not mere hearers who delude themselves. James is one of the most blunt authors of God's Word, I feel. He calls people who read and don't do deluded. (laughs) That's not a very nice thing to say. makes me think of coffee, right? If coffee is really watery, I don't want it. It's gross. Kind of like orange juice and a frappuccino put together. It's disgusting. And James is basically saying, if you're reading God's Word and you're not doing it, you're kidding yourself. You're wasting your time. Don't delude yourself. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're spiritual because you spend so much time in God's Word and don't do it. You have to keep the two together. You must bridge. It is our responsibility to bridge the text to life. And again, I am preaching to myself just as much as anybody else. I'm convicted as I'm hearing this that I must make the bridge from text to life. The word that Paul uses for discipline, I'll speed it up. The word that Paul uses for discipline, interestingly, is the same word in the Greek that we get the word gym from, gymnasium. So you have to warp back to the Roman era, and everybody loved going to the gym. They all loved curling and doing bench presses and getting buff because they had to beat all the empires around them. And so everybody would go to the gym. But what I didn't know is that they didn't just physically exercise at the gym. They also had classes on math and on literature and on rhetoric. And so it was exercising both the mind and the physicality of their bodies. Paul uses this as an analogy for us to think about how to put effort into, how to exercise our faith to not only exercise our mental understanding of God's Word, but to also physically carry it out. It must be both and the same. And what's the profit? What is the benefit of making ourselves, disciplining ourselves to live out what we read in Scripture? Again, Paul goes to exercise. Who of us enjoys waking up at five in the morning and going on a three-mile run? I want to be your friend if you're you're into that. Or forget five in the morning, in the afternoon go for a three mile run. I bet you if you had the choice between a TV show, watching your favorite TV show and going for a run, I know I'd pick the TV show. I don't know about you, but I'd pick the TV show. But we do it, right? If we're being good and if we're being disciplined, we go out for a run. If we're listening to our doctor, if we're listening to our gut, we go out and we run, right? Why? Because there's a benefit there. I know my mood improves. I know I get my mind off of things that I want to get it off of. And so running is beneficial for me. Paul's logic for you to consider today to persuade you is if physical exercise has benefit for you in the long run, how much more benefit, profit is there for us to take the words, the principles, the ideas, the loving kindness that we see in Scripture and apply it to our lives. I tell you, when I'm good and I'm running, I can run for three months and my body might be great for another three months, but if I stop running, it's going to deteriorate. The beauty of putting into practice what we read in God's Word is that it doesn't die. You will find benefit both in this life and the life to come. So how much more benefit is there? Take 
conflict, for instance. How many of us have experienced conflict? Yeah, we all have, right? Yeah, it's fun, right? No, no, it's not fun. We don't enjoy it. We don't enjoy conflict. What do we typically do when there is conflict in front of us that we're having to work with and deal with? The easy thing is to turn and go the other way, to avoid that person, right? Because you walk in the room, you do that awkward eye contact stuff, and then you look the other way and pretend like you didn't see them. But what does God's Word call us to do? God's Word calls us to be in in a restoration with as many people as we are able. As much as is possible on our end, we need to be at peace with as many people as possible. So the Word of God calls us to work to restore that relationship. It's not easy in the moment, right? But the benefit of it is not only a restored relationship, but that person might be able to see an aspect of God's grace that he has not, or she has not, been able to see before. So it has eternal benefit. So again, let me persuade you to exercise your faith. Don't let it stay relegated to your morning devotions, but live it out throughout the day. Don't be persuaded to drink your frappuccino. Be in the Word and do the Word. Finally, and I'll land it here, faithful to His Word. Read with me the last verse in chapter, chapter 4, verse 10. I love this verse. I could, I, I, this is an incredible verse. It says, For it is for this we labor and strive. Because we have, what? We have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men especially believers. Paul's final charge, challenge to Timothy is keep your hand to the plow. Continue to be faithful. Continue to be consistent in your walk and your following of Him. So Paul tells us first, the first part of following Yeshua is be in the Word, right? Be in God's Word. The second part is Discipline yourself. Exercise your faith. Don't let it stay in the text. Live it out. And finally, Paul's last instruction to Timothy and the congregation at Ephesus is keep on keeping on. Right? Keep on going. Don't take your hand off that plow. Keep working out your salvation. Keep pursuing Yeshua. Keep following Him. This is not a blind leap of faith. He says, we have fixed our hope on a dead God? No. We have fixed our hope on a lame, unable, incompetent God? No. We have fixed our hope on the living God. This is no Kierkegaardian leap of faith into a hope, a mystical hope that something will catch us. We know as a point of fact that God is alive and well. Can I get an amen? Amen, right. He is alive and He is active. When we look out a window, we see the beauty of God in creation. When we look at the inner complexities of how my hand can do this, we see an amazing, incredible God who has put together complex beings called humans. We look at the space and we look at the solar system and we see a magnificent God of incredible creativity. 
We see a God who is there, who is alive, and who will act on your behalf. In that brokenness that you are experiencing, in that unsatisfied hope that hasn't been realized, God is alive and He is working in you. Read with me in Philippians 2.13. Paul writes, God will work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. There it is. That's the promise. It's not like God maybe will work in you. If He feels like it that day, He'll work in you. No, God will work in you. Not for your pleasure, but for His pleasure. He will work in you. Do you believe that this morning? That He is not dead, but that He rose again and He is alive and active and is in this book. Are you following Him? For those of you who have been believers for quite some time, is this something that you did way back in your teens and 20s where you were passionate about God? Or in this season of your life, are you passionately following Him? For those of you who have not come to know Yeshua as your Savior and Lord, today is the day. If you've been following individuals, concepts, influences that are only bringing pain into your life, you don't have to. There is someone who can bring real joy, real satisfaction, give you something to fight for that is much greater than anything you can imagine. And His name is Yeshua. He came and He lived a perfect life for us. So that when we place our trust in Him, God the Father does not see Andrew's corrupt, sinful blood, right? My faith in Yeshua allows His perfect blood to cover me so when the Father looks at me, He does not see my blood. He sees the perfectness of Yeshua and He can accept me. And Yeshua did not stay on the cross or in the grave. What did He do? He rose again on the third day. Why? To defeat sin. To defeat death. So that when I believe in Him, that power becomes my own. So that I can defeat the sin in my life. So that when I die, I know I'm not going into the grave, but I'm going into heaven to be with Him. It's an assurance of hope. It's a faith. Faith is the house that all of this flows out of. I want to tell you, you cannot do any of these steps apart from faith. It is the beginning, it is the middle, and it is the end. You cannot walk or follow Yeshua apart from faith. It's what gives us the ability to follow Him. And this is not a shallow moralism. So Paul is not saying just will yourself to become more like Him. We cannot become more like Him without His power. It's like, again, Levi, who's two. Meredith and I are rearranging furniture in the living room, and Levi decides to help. So he walks up to this couch, you know, like 25 pounds, and he starts pushing. He's giving it all he's got, and he's just gritting his teeth and pushing super, super hard, but it's not moving, right? What if the father, myself, come behind him and push with him and he's given 100%, but it doesn't move. But when I come behind him and push with him, all of a sudden the couch moves. The same is true of you. 
You cannot do any of this apart from Him. You are utterly dependent on Him, but He calls you to give 100%. He calls you to give everything you've got to becoming like Him, and He gives you the power to accomplish it. He gives you the ability to become more and more like Yeshua. Are you following Him? Are you following the person and the example of Yeshua? Are you imitating Him so that others can imitate you as you both conform more and more to His image? So this morning, as you go back to your homes, as you go to your work, as you go to your spouse, your family member, I encourage you, follow Yeshua in those relationships. Follow Yeshua in your career. Apply what you're learning about God in in the Bible to those relationships. I'm telling you, you will experience joy. You will experience peace and satisfaction that is beyond comprehension. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for this morning. Thank You that we can gather together as Your brethren, as the saints who have given their life to You. I do pray if anybody is here who has not accepted You as their Lord and Savior, that You would give them faith. That You would open their eyes so that they can see the beauty that You offer and believe that God's Word is true. You tell us in Romans 10.9 that if we acknowledge publicly with our mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in our hearts that He was raised again on the third day, we will be saved. So I pray that if anybody here has not done that, that this morning they would place their trust in You as who the Bible says that You are. For those of us who have been following You for quite some time, I pray that the freshness of becoming saved would never leave us. That hearing the good news of the Gospel would never grow old. And that in our day to day, we would spend time with You in His Word. That we would allow our minds and our hearts to conform more and more to the images and the concepts that we see in the Bible. So that we feel what He feels. That we think what He thinks. That we make a priority what He makes a priority. So Father, I pray that You would continue to bless us. Help us. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my struggles and my following of Yeshua. And allow all of us to continue to spur one another on to becoming more and more like Him. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to Him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.